Would you pray with me? Father, whether because of my words or in spite of them, may your word be spoken this morning. Whether we come with willing ears or stubborn ones, help us to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Have you ever had a moment in your life when you just wanted someone to make it simple for you? Perhaps a moment like the one that Dwight D. Eisenhower supposedly had when he was sitting in the Oval Office trying to figure out how to restore and build on the American economy in the aftermath of World War II. President Eisenhower told his chief of staff, we need to hire some one-armed economist because everyone you bring in to me says, well, on the one hand and then on the other. Sometimes we want simplicity so desperately that we are perfectly willing to let someone lie to us as long as they tell us a simple lie. Just tell us about the one hand. We will tell all manner of simple lies. For example, how many days are there in a year? 365. Right, that's the answer I wanted. That's a good, simple answer. And we all know that it is a lie. We know that the real answer is 365.25 and some trailing decimal. And that's why every four years we have to have a leap year. And do you remember back in, I think it was 2006, we had that weird New Year's Eve countdown because we had to catch up on some leftover seconds that we hadn't quite accounted for. And so if you were counting down that night, you had to count down five, four, three, two, one, one, and then it was the new year. When good old-fashioned countdowns have become complicated, things have gone too far. It's too much. We want to oversimplify. Let's just say there's 365 days in the year and be done with it. Even if it's a lie. Even if it makes us a little less precise. Maybe even a little bit dishonest. And if you have ever thought that faith is too complicated, if you have ever prayed to God for a one-handed preacher then maybe you see yourself in this story. This parable that we've heard today, that we've heard all month long, that you have probably heard a hundred times, maybe you know that it's not really the parable of the Good Samaritan or the parable of the Levite or the parable of the beaten man. Maybe you see yourself most in the man who came before Jesus and asked the simple question that got the whole story started. Maybe you know that this is really the story of the lawyer. After all, the lawyer is one of only two people in all the scriptures who ask the question that really matters, the simple give it to me straight question. No beating around the butch, just tell me the answer. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Make it simple for me. For what it's worth, the only other person who asked that question, the simple, obvious question to Jesus is a man we know as the rich young ruler. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you found yourself coming to Jesus and saying, make it simple. And maybe some of you are thinking, I don't want to see myself in this lawyer. Because Luke tells us that the lawyer asked his question because he wanted to test Jesus. And maybe you do not want to do that. Maybe you are eager not to antagonize Jesus. Maybe you think this lawyer comes off somewhat superior or arrogant. 
Maybe he wasn't asking the question in good faith. Maybe you've written him off as just another one of Jesus' enemies, like the Pharisees or the Sadducees and all those characters who seem like they always want to come and ask Jesus the gotcha questions. But let's give this lawyer some credit because he is not merely asking questions. He's listening wholeheartedly. He is engaging with Jesus. Jesus asks him a question, and the lawyer gives a good faith answer. And even as he is trying to make things simple, he knows that it can't be too simple. He doesn't want to be lied to. He doesn't want to lie to himself. Jesus asks him, what do you think it's all about? And the lawyer gives a simple answer. Love God, love my neighbor. But he knows that's not the whole answer. And the lawyer follows up and he asks a more difficult question. Who is my neighbor? How far am I supposed to go with this loving my neighbor thing? Are you telling me, Jesus, that it's enough if I just kind of take care of my family and maybe the house on either side of me? Would that do it? Would that be enough? Is it that simple? Or is that a little bit more to this story than you are letting on? And the gospel writer Luke makes it clear to us that the lawyer is not simply trying to cross-examine Jesus and catch him off guard. No, Luke says that the lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? Because, quote, the lawyer wanted to justify himself. And now maybe it's even easier for you to put yourself in the lawyer's shoes. Have you ever wanted to justify yourself? Have you ever found yourself in that position where you're saying to someone, but I did the best I could trying to explain that you really did have the best intentions for something that somebody else took entirely the wrong way. Have you ever stood in front of the person whose favor you wanted more than anything in the world? And have you ever known that desperate wait as you longed for them to tell you you had done enough? You were a good mom. You were a good dad. I'm proud of you, kid. You've done a good job. You did the best you could. You gave it everything you had. If you've ever been there, then you know what it is like to be desperate to justify yourself. And if you've ever found yourself bone weary at the end of a day, wondering, when will it be enough? Then you know what it is like to ask desperately, exactly how many neighbors do you expect me to have? I remember one of Jesus' friends, Peter, came to Jesus, and I suspect Peter was looking to kind of justify himself when he asked Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Wouldn't seven times be enough? And I always regret that the Gospels don't tell us how Peter reacted when Jesus looked at Peter and said, actually more like 70 times seven. I always imagine Peter kind of slumping when he heard that. And then I imagine him counting in his head and looking at his legitimate brother, Andrew, and thinking, okay, I'll forgive you this time, but you only have 481 chances left. I imagine him counting down the days until that time he could finally give up and disown him. 
if you haven't been there yet, then I guarantee there will be a day when you stand before Jesus and you find yourself asking him, how much more do I have to do? Isn't this enough? And when you ask that question, I expect Jesus will refuse to answer it. Just like he refused to answer the lawyer, at least not on the lawyer's terms. And instead, Jesus looked at the lawyer and gave him an answer that he didn't even know that he needed. Jesus will give you an answer that you were not even looking for. And I expect you've noticed this about Jesus too, that he doesn't just give us surprising answers. He sometimes insists on answering questions we never asked. And if you've ever had that experience of Jesus, then I bet you noticed that he did the same thing to the lawyer. The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told a story. Not about who is in and who's out. Not about who counts as a neighbor and who does not. Who can be safely ignored. Jesus tells a story about how to become a neighbor. Jesus does not tell a story about who we should love and who we should not. He does not tell a story about who deserves help and who does not. Instead, Jesus tells a story about who helps and who doesn't. About who loves and why we love and why we do not. And Jesus did not tell a story like the ones we would expect the sort of underdog story we are accustomed to. He did not tell a story in which the Samaritan was the man who was beaten and abandoned. He did not tell a story about how even the outcast person is worthy of love and care. Instead, Jesus told a story about how the Samaritan, the social outcast, the religious heretic, the ethnically questionable scapegoat of the Israelites, Jesus told a story about how that Samaritan became the person who gave love and care. And he told the story about how the priest and the Levite did not. The lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus asked, which of these was a neighbor to the man in need? And that's the difference in looking for a loophole and mercy. The lawyer was looking for the loophole. And Jesus wanted to show him mercy. The lawyer was looking for the fine print on the contract. He was looking for how far would be far enough. How much would he need to do to enough neighbors to meet his obligations? He was asking that for all the understandable reasons that any of us would ask. He was asking because he was tired. And he was asking because he was not yet satisfied. Because he was thinking, on the one hand, surely there is more to this. And on the other hand, how much more can I do? And Jesus does not simply say to him, Oh, don't worry about it. You're good. That would not have helped the lawyer. And if you are desperately looking to justify yourself, then let me be the spoiler for you. There is nothing I can say to you today that will satisfy you. There is nothing you could hear from God himself that would satisfy you if you sought to justify yourself. The lawyer was asking 
because he wanted to justify himself. So Jesus answered a different question. You remember that story that Jesus told in a different parable about a rich man who ignored the the poor man at his gates every single day. And then the rich man goes down into Hades. and, And from there, he looks up at Abraham, who's the spokesperson to God. And he says, Abraham, would you send someone back to my brothers so that they don't make the mistakes I did, so that they will be better, so that they don't end up where I do or I have? And Abraham responds, don't you understand? They have Moses and the prophets. And if they have not listened to them, then there is nothing that a person from the dead could tell them that would change their minds. If you are asking the wrong question, there is no answer that will satisfy you. And if you are seeking to justify yourself, well, nothing will ever be enough. The lawyer was never going to justify himself. And so instead, Jesus showed him mercy. He showed him what mercy looks like. He showed him that mercy needs no justification. There's nothing you have to do to inherit mercy because there's nothing you could do to inherit mercy because the whole point of mercy is that it does for you what you cannot do for yourself. He offered the lawyer an entirely different way to ask questions and to tell his story. Jesus did not say, I can tell you how to become the hero of the story. He says, I have a story like none you've ever heard. And in the world that Jesus describes for the lawyer, the question is not, how can I do enough? How can I justify myself? The question that matters is, is there enough mercy? Which of these was a neighbor, Jesus asked. And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus is trying to show us how much mercy there is. Christ is the one who has revealed that there is enough mercy in the world so that we can live as if there is enough mercy The Samaritan lived as if there was enough mercy for him so that he could then show mercy to others. The Levite and the priest walked by the the injured man because they did not believe there was enough mercy for themselves. They did not believe there would be enough mercy if they missed their timetable, if they were knocked off their traveling agenda. There'd be no mercy for them, so they could not show mercy to another There would be not enough understanding if they made themselves ritually unpure. The Levite and the priest did not expect to receive mercy, and so they could not show mercy to anyone else. They didn't know what it would look like. But the Samaritan believed that there was enough mercy to cover his delays and his agenda and to cover his financial losses. He was not trying to justify himself to say that he had it all figured out. Instead, the Samaritan knew that there was a man in a ditch and that is all the justification that mercy needs. And we come to Jesus and we are tempted to ask if we have done enough Is there another prayer you wanted me to pray, God? Is there something else you needed me to do? And he responds by saying, do you have any idea how much mercy there is in the world? Let me show you.
There is more than enough. Enough to cover your mistakes. Enough to clean and to bind your wounds. And most importantly, there is enough mercy that you can quit worrying about proving yourself and justifying yourself. And you can get on with the business of showing other people the mercy that you have found. Throughout this series, we have taken a different character from the parable and invited you to put yourself in their shoes, to see yourself in them, to see yourself in the Levite or the beaten man and Each week we have shown you that if you see yourself in this person, you will also see Jesus differently. If you see yourself in the Levite who cannot stop because everything will be thrown off, then you may see Jesus in the beaten man who's interrupting your best laid plans. Jesus himself said, when you visited me as I was sick, if you visited even the least of these who was a stranger and gave them shelter, If you clothed them or gave them food, then you were doing it to me. And we are invited to see that the beaten man may be Jesus for us when we are too busy to see him. And when we see ourselves in the beaten man, when we see ourselves stripped of everything we had been holding on to and unable to help ourselves, then we will see Jesus in the outstretched hand of the Samaritan. And today, if you are a lawyer, if you have been trying to be good enough, if you've ticked all the good deed boxes and won all the arguments in your own mind, and if after all of that, you still see that nothing is going to satisfy and nothing can take away that desperate need you have to justify yourself and prove yourself, then you can see Jesus in the plainest way imaginable. He is the one who is standing in front of you trying to show you mercy. Saying this is what it looks like. He will tell a story to show you what mercy looks like. He will give you neighbors to show you what mercy looks like. He will give his very life so that you can begin to understand what mercy looks like and how much there is in his world. Because we begin to suspect that there will be no end to the needs of the world around us. The needs of the world are huddled around us every single day. Drinking bad coffee at 12-step groups, they are hunched over screens that show bank accounts that are never going to quite add up. The needs of the world are all around us. They are stuck in traffic and they are wondering if the road from Jerusalem to Jericho is ever going to end. There are so many needs around us. They are falling in silent tears from midnight bedrooms. They are gasping in ICUs. And sometimes when we see all those needs around us, we think there is not enough mercy. I am not enough. Surely I can write one of these off. I can blame them. I can ignore them. I can pass to the other side of the road. We we can be overwhelmed by the needs of the world. It can make us wonder, who is my neighbor? Isn't there someone who doesn't deserve my respect, my pity, my patience? Wouldn't I be justified? To which Jesus responds by asking, Have you ever seen real mercy? Let me show you 
mercy. It is never justified or deserved, but it is abundant. Jesus has enough mercy regardless of whether anyone is good enough. And if we could only see how much mercy there is, if we could only see what Christ is trying to show us, that he is trying to show us mercy, if we knew how much mercy God had shown us, then we could spend the rest of our lives showing that same mercy and never run out. When we have truly let Christ show us mercy, we will go and do likewise. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.